0: Welcome to a special Back to Night. The podcast that celebrates the variously compiled world of pop is one year old. Over the past 12 months, 13 wonderful guests have joined me to open up gatefold sleeves, slip out cassette inlays and flick through CD booklets of their chosen compilation albums. And in doing so, we've not only shared some great musical memories, we've also explored the shifting pop cultures of the past four decades and have recognised how these various artist collections do indeed Stand as fond time capsules for our journeys through life. So, for this episode, here are some memorable moments, a compilation, if you will, from the first year of Back to Now, including some previously unheard and extended clips. Don't forget, you can hear the full episodes now at your favourite podcast sites and join in the conversations with myself, Ian, at the Pop Rambler Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. Pete Selby.
1: The Now label presents its latest
2: collection with Queen.
0: The pop world was so fast moving, you didn't really get a chance to stop and think about the significance of these moments. You could pick most, you know, any year
3: really from the 90s in particular and look at just some of these incredible singles or bands that are kind of
4: like coming through on what feels like an almost fortnightly basis. And
1: the number one from Christa now that's what I call Music 7. Feel the quality.
4: What, what I like about this now is that it kind of, it conforms to what you want a now to conform to, but and in terms of structure. And I think for that reason, it is one of the strongest ones. It is one of my favourites. And it's not just about a moment in time for me, but actually what you've got here is, you know, you've got the big pop hits on, on side one. You've got a slightly more sort of classic artists on side two, the, the second or third side will always between dance side and, and the secondary tier you know, sort of pop hits. And you've got that side three, and then also the dancer side four in the whole scheme of things. On the dancer side, where you've got the new shoes and Love Bug Starsky and, uh, and Real Roxanne. HIT ME! <laughs> And I, I think that's what makes these albums richer. I think for me, those are the tracks you kind of you go back to more because they, can, in a lot of those tracks, don't have that level of ubiquity. And then you have got the chicken song.
0: I'd like to think that somebody at the at the compilation team really dug their heels in and said, "No, we're not having it," <laughs> because <laughs> people will look back on this in the twenty first century and thank us for not putting it on. Michael Mulligan. <laughs>
5: 17 with Adamski, the chart-topping single from the number one album,
6: now 17, step on it. Why was it such a good time? Because because if you can have all of these mixes of different genres and all producing albums that have stood the test of time, all within a a few weeks or a few months of each other, that's why 1990 is looked
0: back upon by the likes of me as such a fantastic year. (laughs) On the sleeve notes, it actually describes Jamtronic's version as the house pop version of Phil Collins.
6: Because you can't dance to it. You know, you think what you like about Phil Collins, but they do him an absolute disservice here. It's dreadful.
0: Looking back at now 17, you can see again an opportunity to try and embrace the 90s very, very early on. The, the second album, it's got that typical formatting, hasn't it, of pop and indie on the
6: first half and then the dance stuff on the second half. Everything starts with an E, and if ever there was a, a 1990 track, It's Easy Posse, and everything starts with an E, samples the old black and white Robinson Crusoe TV series, but there is no credit there, as far as I can see, for um, the people who wrote the music for Robinson Crusoe. Um... Any lawyers listening? I want a cut of your fee. Thank you very much
7: and Diva, Snap and more. Deep Heat 6, the hottest dance album around from Telstar.
6: No one would bought Deep Heat bought classic experience 2 or never worth the album, that's for sure. But there is undoubtedly
0: a place for all of these titles in the great comps market of 1990. There's a thread that links the Nebworth concert to Italia 90 to Nessun Dorma to Step On by the Happy Mondays these things all create that tapestry of what 1990 was
6: yeah there's a very positive mood running through all of them isn't there euphoria is probably a good yeah. word there's there's a euphoria that surrounds this Nebworth concert there's certainly a euphoria that surrounds the World Cup and perhaps for some of these Happy Mondays fans there's a different type of chemically induced euphoria as well but it's the same result whichever way you look at it indie is crossing over to the mainstream there was really no limit to what you could put out and yet all of these things fit together really nicely on this new emerging indie as a genre kind of thing happy monday step on followed by primal screen loaded followed by Pesh mode enjoy the silence that's a, a brilliant snapshot of 1990 and i'm gonna throw this out there i think there's a good argument potentially the best singles that each of those acts
0: made I actually think as well an interesting challenge is to go back and look at the three now dance albums of 1990 and pull out which of those tracks would be on that now 17 and a half. You've mentioned World in Motion, for example. You're going to
6: throw Betty Boo doing the do at me, aren't you? I don't know if I'm... maybe.
0: As seven inch versions across those three albums, you could actually have a pretty strong in between now album
8: Simon Galloway I think they'd obviously recognise that the now brand that they developed was was strong, was a good thing Because if you look at what k K-Tel and Ronco did in the, the 70s and 80s They never stuck with the same name for their hits collections And it was always, uh, I've I've written down a few here, dynamites, music explosion, power hits. (laughs) Uh, And then you get to the the later 70s, early 80s with like disco stars, disco fever, video stars. Uh, And then you get to the early 80s where it's kind of maybe more kind of film influence like Raiders of the Pop charts and... I think, was, the, was it Chart Invasion or something like that it was kind of based on, on Space Invaders now got that magic formula, which they absolutely capitalised on. Like, say, 1984, they put out three compilations, but then, uh-oh, new kid on the block. We've got um, CBS and Warners wanting, wanting to get in on
0: the action. So you've got Duran Duran on there with A View to Kill, and you've got Frankie from Sister Sledge, I hate that song, I I hated it then and I that. <laughs> those, those see those finger clicks on a radio yeah. station and you just think oh no
8: I still feel the same about Frankie by Sister Sledge not helped by there was a kid at school who used to sing it a lot and he was a bit of a bully he used to pick on me a, a little bit but he'd sing he'd sing the wrong tune to it he'd go Frankie
0: ee,
8: ee, like oh God. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> what would your home version of Now 5 look like? Sister Sledge straight
8: out the commentators uh, Gary Moore and Phil it. Jimmy Nail. I wouldn't have included The Damned. Would have maybe missed off Cherish by and the Gang. Um, I don't have many of my uh, old compilation tapes left from, um, from the 80s. But I do have Pop Hits 1985 Volume 1. Uh, on a TDK D90. I had one of those pens where it had the four different like, in- ink colours in there, one of those yes. biros. So, so I've utilised that. Um, so each each word is written in a different colour. Pop in red, hits in green. 1985 in, it's kind of like a bluey purple, and volume one in black. So this is almost like the best bits of now five out now hits to Phil Bailey and Phil Collins Easy Lover Art of Noise Close to the Edit Stephen Tintin Duffy Kiss Me Killing Joke Love Like Blood Simple Minds Don't You Forget About Me Tears For Fears Everybody Wants To Rule The World David Bowie This Is Not America and I would have made this to to go on my summer holidays I would just round it up the singles I've got, got lying around Sat in front of the uh, in front of the hi-fi, finger on the pause button. Just discovered then as well that um, if you, you know, stop the record playing with, with your hand <laughs> right at the intro, then turn it back three turns, then let it go and it goes one turn, two turn, let the pause off, one turn, song starts. <laughs>
7: To sell records, you have to complete an EMI training weekend. Richard Drew. Mum's first ever trip to London was to go to the Hayes plant in uh, to EMI's Hayes factory to see records being made and also attend a kind of seminar at Manchester Square, which must have been just amazing. She, she's got this wonderful photo of this class. Literally every weekend, they'd have a different group of people, and blokes in their sort of very narrow ties and their two-piece suits and you know, a couple of women in beehives and sort of very well presented in this sort of class photo. And they would have done this every weekend and sent this group of people down to sort of learn how to sell records.
0: Now four, there's something incredibly nostalgically positive about it. And we talked earlier about this unadulterated escapism into 80s music.
7: But there was an album that came out end of night, end of 81, beginning of 82 called Modern Dance. It's a compilation album. k I think. It for me is the defining... Compilation album, it absolutely changed my musical life. It's got uh, OMD, Japan, Human Heaven 17, Tepeche Mode, Simple Minds, John Fox, The Cure, Gary Newman, blah, blah, blah. It's a great, great album. And they cram so many tracks into the album and there's like, you know, barely a groove before the next track starts. It just went, I went, wow, this is just amazing. And it totally changed my musical life my musical part. Suddenly, it was synthesizers and nothing else.
9: Simon Filing. In addition to buying singles, I'd also tape stuff off the radio, of course. No one's listening, are
0: they? No. Across the episodes so far, we have very clearly said that home taping is killing music. Actually, although there was
9: taping going on, of course, it would only be from one show, the Sunday Evening Chart Rundown, which was at the time one of the very few Radio 1 broadcasts that was in stereo taping stuff in medium wave, um, <laughs> no, even, to, even, even to my cloth ears, was pretty unsatisfying. So, of course, what you're doing here is effectively producing your own compilation, your own now, I guess, um, except that you have total editorial control and don't have to put up with, uh, with Break My Stride or something like that.
0: Matthew Wilder. There are two wonderful top of the pops clips though that you can probably find on YouTube from 1984. Uh, I remember them, so I, I was traumatised. I, <laughs> I do remember them because he looked a bit like Steve Wright, didn't he? He did. And actually, looking back now, there's a Weird Al Yankovic look about him as well. There yeah, is a
9: Weird yeah, exactly, yeah, because
0: Wright yep. and Weird Al Yankovic are nice. also. <laughs>
9: Yeah, I, have the to song, I mean, the song is, I mean, you know, no. I've been listening to it quite closely just to sort of, you know, am I wrong about this? But it's such a limp song. It can barely stay upright. I mean, <laughs> and, and, It never has a message been so divorced from its messenger. It wouldn't take much to break his stride, would it? I I teach a third year course called The Kids Are All Right, which is about subcultures and movements and fans. And, uh, you know, we talk about the stages through which people go, as you say, in terms of their relationship with music. And that involves a kind of bit of exploration, a bit of consolidation. But that period when you're kind of late late teens, early 20s, is when you're kind of looking around for something that you feel is specifically... You know, meaningful to you. But as I said, came came back to pop. There is this division between rock. There's a sense, a rock sensibility, which is which is all about authenticity, which is all about you know truth and kind of honesty and sincerity, and uh, and it's it's not about artifice and it's not about the bright shiny stuff. And, and I realised that I actually like the kind of insincere. <laughs> pop side of things. (laughs) And I'm kind of comfortable with that, you know. I was a closet Duran Duran fan all the way through that time when I was a goth. Ian Weed and some festive jingles.
10: I remember seeing it in the record department in Devon again, and just seeing that the Now brand was attached. And I thought, oh gosh, you know. And I thought, oh, well, you know, this is slightly different from your sort of usual Kato and Ronko, who were kind of dying at that point. And when I looked at it, Again, because it was the now brand, I thought oh well, this this is going to be the right versions so it's not like you know some sort of session singer type thing. The culture of Christmas music over here is very significantly different to as it is in America. Our culture over here was more about the singles it
0: was singles yeah and a very strong tradition particularly through the 70s mm. of massive million selling singles.
10: because 1984 had been such a rich year for christmas band-aid and wham being two of the biggest selling singles of all time you know i've had many thoughts about band-aid over the years it was kind of the coronation of like 1981 to 1984's biggest acts we talk about a record that was very much our pop moment, our pop stars. I, you know, and everyone has a Band Aid. I mean, you know, I'm quite fond of the '89 one, yeah. uh, 2001, 2004 was very real and yeah. and yeah. And the nicest thing you can say about the 2014 one is that it exists. No. The other day, I sort of like jokingly, kind of thought, imagined what a a Band Aid 1974 would have been like because mm. I could visu- I could visualise Noddy Holder kind of saying singing. <laughs> tonight thank god it's them instead yeah. of you and uh, david essex doing the simon LeBon line. and so i'd kind of you know susie quattro brian very blah 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 and yeah. um, like 10cc would be 10 and the horns from wizard would be kind of
0: like the band <laughs> yeah. yeah definitely see kevin godley on drums again. yeah
10: and uh you'd yeah. have dave hill and mick ronson on guitars so sparring it'd be
0: like, with guitars actually going backwards and forwards yeah you know, and like, it would have
10: to, the glitter band on drums because <laughs> we wouldn't have the head glitter. Um, so, <laughs> so it made it all very kind of believable, obviously, because it wasn't written, obviously, by that point. But, you know, you'd throw in people like Stylistics and Ken Booth and Kiki D. It was very much like, oh, this could happen.
0: Bob Stanley. How else do compilations come into your life then?
11: Well, really, it's because I didn't have much pocket money. And so if I... Way to buy singles the best way to get to get them was like waiting for the next K-tel album to come out so they were really you know a really big deal for me and I, I used to like make cassettes and do my own artwork and pretend they were k compilations but I'd just take things off the radio and I wrote to Ktel made some suggested compilations to them when I was about 13 <laughs> uh didn't get a reply
0: I was gonna so, ask did you get a response no
11: no no <laughs> but it's quite it was like donkey's years later I wrote a thing for the independent on uh, on KTEL, and I ended up talking to Don Reedman, who was like the person who put all those albums together. So it felt a bit circle of life or something. Um, yeah, I, I didn't really buy any now albums till the nineties when it got when they got. I think when when it, when it was like the two CDs and they had more tracks in them as well, so it's more appealing. And they could like have a disc that was like more dance music or one that's more indie or whatever. They became they became much more interesting. That's when I started buying them, and then and then went backwards after that to to complete the set. <laughs> Well, yeah, the the eighties musically for me, I think were you know the, it's kind of like a, a valley where you know it starts amazingly, and then '89 is another peak, and in the middle you just have this trough. Uh, and then yeah, I remember getting a Now Dance in '89. I keep on moving by soul to soul. I can't think which one that would be, yeah. but I bought I bought that um, on vinyl, possibly the first Now compilation I ever bought. actually. Certainly in the mid '90s, a lot a lot of things I would have bought on seven inch single weren't coming out on new single anymore they were starting to uh, I don't know Baby Baby by Corona yeah <laughs> Rick Will's first four singles I think I've got them all they certainly weren't available in everywhere you went anymore yeah now, now CDs were a good way of getting like you know current chart yeah. dance pop hits uh, and I was a big fan of kind of Euro stuff as well
9: party and the massive
11: number one from the out here brothers 40 top chart hits now 30 that's what i call music i've got now 30 in front of me here so let a quick look at um yeah we yes i mean yeah disc one is just uh um, quite a quite an odd mixture and then disc two starts with the out here brothers is it out here or out there i've never
0: i'd have said out here
11: yes makes sense doesn't it yeah uh, the alex party strike Bucketheads, Nightcrawlers, Tintin Out, Corona, Clock, Entrance, JX. And that's all in a row. And it's like you know, they're all they're all great. You wouldn't skip any of them. No, no, not at all. Mark Woods
2: And some wombles in 1974, by which time we'd left London, we'd moved to Surrey, mum and dad moved out. The the wombles opened a toy shop in our village. If you didn't grow up in the 70s, it's difficult to kind of appreciate how insane pop hysteria kids were just. And it was the wombles, it wasn't David Essex or anything, but the wombles came to open a toy shop before Christmas in, I think, the end of 1974. And we all went out to line the streets because they were going to come up the round the corner on on this float and everyone was screaming like losing it this sleepy little village nothing ever happened there packed you know people the toy shop windows that people the kids were banging on we want the womble, you know they were bowing in and out and the Wombles I got myself in such a state the Wombles came around the corner I saw one of them put their hands up to wave and then I fainted
3: <laughs>
2: next <laughs> The next thing I remember, I was back at home with my mum and her friend Jean uh, taking the piss out of me because I completely lost it to the Wombles. I woke up uh, on the settee, I think, with Jean, my mum's friend Jean, doing impressions of me going, because apparently I went, oh, I can't stand it. Uh, and then that was <laughs> <laughs> to be removed from the scene. Uh, So I never really saw more than, I think, one one Womble's hand, you know, go up, and that was it.
5: The names have been changed to protect the innocent.
2: Best thing about pop music is when some people get something from another culture or country in pop music and their own version of it. So this is UK kids all over the country, you know, they're all kind of in their cities making up their version of what they think sample culture is you know and giving it a lot more let's face it care and attention than mainstream america did we took it we loved it we ran with it and made it in something different 1988 was a very good year for now that's what i call music i decided to go for 11 because it feels to me like the start of something and the end of something definitely this one feels like a break from the mid 80s we're on our way somewhere different
7: now 11 featuring the pet shop boys
5: Wet Wet Wet,
2: Melon Kim, Belinda Carlisle. I, I love now 11, I love now 12, I love now 13. I just think they managed three blinders that year.
5: The re- first records I bought were singles. Johnny California. So they would have been around 83. I remember it very clearly. It was um, two singles. It was Karma Chameleon. The other one was Dolce, uh, La Dolce Vita by Ryan Paris. I still have both of those singles, obviously, um, as any, any genuine music fan obviously always keeps all their stuff. But um, I did uh, eventually, uh, when I was working at Virgin uh, in the mid to late nineties, uh, Culture Club got back together to do their kind of reunion album and they did a PA at the at the Virgin Mega Store on, in Oxford Street, and I got them all to sign this wow. very the very first single that I ever bought. I, uh, I'm still the happiest oh, man goodness. in the world just for having that. The first, comp- well, not the first compilation, obviously that I got, but one that really, really fired up my imagination was Hits. Yes, so I got this in like um, the end of '84, um, and it was a glorious album because it came. Right at the as I say, like end of 84 into 85 was when I really got the bug. And so this was perfect for that. You know, it had prints on it, it, had Wham on it. it. All the all the artists actually that I'd been listening to that year, and they were all in one place. Um, the first now that I bought was um now five, which was uh on cassette, and that was it's always it always seemed to be traveling somewhere, but that was um I think it may have been, it was just before we were gonna go on a road trip, with my mum and dad and my brother to Spain, all the way down to Spain. And uh, so we bought Now Five on tape, myself and my brother. I remember we were in, the, I, I can't remember what it was, it might have been Woolies. And it was, along with, uh, along with other, other, other stuff, it really was the soundtrack to that entire journey. The design for Now Eight. For me, it's just glorious. And I think when we first started discussing which, which now we were going to talk about, that we were talking about the chrome kind of badge that's
0: on the front. This is meant to be a car, right? I've never actually known what it's supposed to be. I mean, it's just a lovely, shiny, metallic pop world that exists <laughs> in my head. And but... I really want that badge.
1: Now, eight.
0: It was a great time
5: to be a pop fan. Discovering music and, or, and discovering Mario. life, really. For me, it was brilliant. That was a fantastic fantastic time for music and for for pop and for British pop. This is where the memories were made, I suppose.
0: Everything was winding up
5: and then it just took off. That album was fantastic. That whole side one, I still love to this day. This album actually contains two of the best 80s cover versions, which is Communards and Kim Wilde. I have a lot of love for 1986 and I won't hear
0: another word against it. Alexis Petridis. Is it actually called No One, or is it called No That's What I I
12: Called I think it's just now that's what I call music. I don't think they were necessarily intending this to still be, you know, an extant series in, you know, whatever it is, nearly 40 years later. It's funny how much it kind of sparks. It makes you think about music in that year, in that era, Mm. and sort of what's missing and where the song's in it. Because it's very easy to sort of look at Now albums and... The way I guess I looked at now albums when I was a kid, you know, I just think, well, it's all the hits, yeah. and then you look at it, and go, actually, there's all these things that aren't on there. Some of which are to do with licensing, obviously. Yeah? yeah, and there is a sort of a weird kind of curation to it. But in terms of you know the story of 1983 up to the. Where it comes out, which thinks November. It's, it's pretty much every so you go, Oh, of course, of course it's all in Unborns but there's all these other things happening in music exactly. that are not, that aren't necessarily on there, you know. So um, no, I found it really, really, yeah, really, really interesting. To do I went and listened shy, to White Feathers by Kajagoogoo and now have never heard. And I think the problem with Kajagoogoo was that their hearts weren't really in it too shy is fine the follow-up to too shy who to be up it has no tune the idea that lamal who's probably the one member of kajigugu who really does have his heart yeah can't come up with anything better than only for love because big apple big apple is a better record it's just a bizarre thing you know and then he had a big hit with never ending story which is (laughs) <laughs> Boy, it's such a weedy sounding record, isn't it? It's just amazing.
0: It's almost like a three act tragedy that you're seeing. You mean, yeah. No, it is. It is. <laughs> you know, it was a
12: complete step up in terms of pop compilations. It was completely, you know, different. It was a much more quality product. As a piece of work, as a compilation album, as a product, it's actually really, really, really good. It's incredibly well put together. And it was just sort of, it was kind of delightful revisiting it. Like I said, it was probably, I think it was the most sort of impactful and profound of those later years of pop. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's 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 great. So well done, the compilers of classical you know, <laughs> like music. You know, um, I'm sure they'll go on to every success. Now ten, pump up the
5: volume, pump up the volume, featuring the volume,
3: Mars, the Communards. Arts, and the number one from Tapao. My mum's brother for Christmas bought me the first three Now albums. Justin Quirk. So they were, they were quite a high quality product. You know, in terms of, you know, these sort of like quite heavy sort of gloss sleeves, they were nicely designed. My glory years are the pig in sunglasses, obviously. (laughs) There is a closing of a chapter feel in pop culture here. The old ways are dying, but the new cannot yet be born. This feels like pop music is in a holding pattern. There are very tentative shoots of what is going to define the rest of kind of the long 80s but it's not really there yet. What this does give you a sense of is just what a kind of electrical surge house music is going to be when it arrives, because it arrives almost fully formed, gives you retrospectively some sense of how alien and violent that arrival was. I think the rest of it is as good
0: as pop music could be at that point. And that's what makes these snapshots so important to go back to because it actually tells the story of what the landscape looked like. In yeah. the UK charts. And from that point of view, it's perfect. The idea of just having Banana Rama just crash landing in the middle of this side,
3: I mean, it's proper, like, you know, tops off down at heaven. It just sounds great.
0: And actually, that's where you would tie a direct link to that and Crazy Crazy Nights, because yeah. they both do exactly the same thing.
3: I could imagine Banana Rama having covered Crazy Crazy Nights could I have imagined no I couldn't imagine Kiss doing Love in the first degree but between like the boldest end of disco and the biggest end of glam metal it's essentially high energy with guitar solos
5: To the stars with salt and pepper, Robert Palmer.
0: Pete's Perfidies.
13: It's just a funny in between kind of time. And I'm, I'm intrigued by this balance of, um, you know, people that had success in the early 80s and had maybe slightly lost their way. They're trying to stay relevant. And that was always an interesting time for me. I've always been interested in what people do when they're no longer the, that thing of the moment. I realised that that was just something for some reason I noticed, even from a young age. We're in a kind of this post-live-aid world that suddenly feels very kind of more corporate than it ever has done before. And looking at the track listing now, I can see kind of some fairly lame A&R decisions that are having to be actioned by some unfortunate artists, some kind of random hit action from people who were famous uh, a long time ago but um you know had a, maybe they had their song on an advert or something and obviously acid house is emerging
0: it's an interesting pairing between inner city and more because it's like hmm. getting it absolutely right and not not getting it wrong, but it mm. it's almost a slight kind of carry on version of what of what, what it was going to look like.
13: Yeah, you're right. Uh, that's it, isn't it? That sort of um, really want to get a sense of the spirit of the age. You often you're best off going for the ersatz tracks. It you, you know ears be pricking up to something else, some kind of incoming energy that that is is exciting you know so that's why it's so nice that big fun buying a city is on there because that's where the excitement that's where the excitement is kind of migrating i think we saw that more in in the following year it's also nice so i like the mental idea that was 1988 was the year that they that um they started um those indie imitations of now that's what i call music were coming out so you had these indie top 20 albums coming out which were really trying to to do an indie version obviously uh, of what this was and i think there's one that came out that year which has got a beloved song on there called forever dancing their tentative foray into ecstasy influenced music and so I love the kind of symmetry of having that there. And soon The Beloved would be moving over into proper now albums. Yeah. And you've got, you've got Paris Grey singing Big Fun on there. And then in 18 months time, a completely new version of The Beloved would be explicitly referencing Paris Grey.
0: That's why I think Big Fun stands out on this album, because that's, that's the gateway track to what's coming next. Yeah. Not, not just in dance music, but in the outlook of pop.
13: Funny is about to come back.
0: Sean Pattendon.
1: I joined a magazine called Smash It's out of college and they used to play this stuff either Radio One or they would play now. And so it reminds me very much of this time, but it also reminds me of coming from a from a household and being at college and making chocolate spread sandwiches to an office in Carnaby Street with people who had actually met pop stars who I'd read the names of. So I was sort of fairly aghast for a few weeks and just had a feeling that I wasn't meant to be there and they were going to chuck me out. And I just thought, I'll just keep doing it hour by hour. And if they haven't chucked me out by the end of the day, I went in for two or three days a week at first, I might be all right. And they didn't chuck me out. And I learnt their fancy London ways. <laughs> So the chocolate spread sandwiches went And I started eating things like salads <laughs> That's what people in London They're, oh, okay God cord, cord. tell me something You can't play, can play a bass You can't play
0: drum Rebel MC, Double Trouble, Street Tough. Oh, oh,
1: yeah, what record This
0: is fabulous Love this
1: record <laughs> It's great It's what we used to call Mickey Mouse hip-hop <laughs> we, we meant it with Because it is cartoony Oh, and yeah he, yeah, he knew that as well. Yeah, it just fuses all the right elements. One can be very boring and sort of go through all the different things that it's taken from, but that would be boring. It would take all the, the wonder takes, out of it. It takes
0: the fun away, to be honest. It, Doesn't just it? Works It's a great record. Really, really well. I did the first Smash Hits interview
1: because we didn't know this record was going to be so big because I got all the crap. See? <laughs> I got big fun. We've got big fun, and we I got are well, coming the- up. Yeah. I got the big funds and the Sonyas because everybody in the office thought it was hilarious to give me the stuff they hated. Anyway, <laughs> but I got him. That's good. And he had four toothbrushes at the time, took two around with him, but he had four anyway because he was really into dental hygiene. And yeah. no wonder, beautiful, beautiful teeth. He's a lovely, man.
0: This stands as a really decent time capsule of what Autumn 89 was.
1: Absolutely. And some of it is just banger after banger. But a lot of this stuff really stands out. I am still surprised how amazing Sowing the Seeds of Love sounds as an opener. It's just so powerful. And you can't help but sing along to her. It would be, it would be a very, very evil, bitter person who could not sing along to that. Channel.
0: with that 1989 message of positivity from sean kurt and roland i would like to say a massive thank you to all of my guests who've taken time to join me this year it's been a privilege and a joy sharing in your musical journeys and as they say we couldn't have done it without you and to everyone that has listened and engaged in the podcast thanks for all of your support and choosing back to now the series now continues and i look forward to more guests memories and stories coming very soon and stay tuned for more seriously compiled pop